We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Understand this gospel, part 1C. <laughs> or oh, oh, part 3 if you want. But we're still on part 1. Really, this is our third week. All right, I'll be very quick with it so that we'll close as much on time as possible. So I will not run through all of it. Again, but we said talking about the gospel. I explained to you what the gospel, the Greek word, the gospel comes from. Yeah, evangelion, which means good news, and how in the different variants it means the gospel, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of peace, right, and the gospel of 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 Christ, of Jesus, um, and whatever that gospel means, it has to be good news because there's no bad news in the gospel. It couldn't be said to be good news if it has a bad side, right? The gospel couldn't be said to be good news if it has a bad side. Evangelion doesn't mean good news with a disclaimer. It just means good news. Alright? So it's not the gospel on this side of the coin and then when you flip the coin, there's a bad side. It is just the gospel. So whatever the gospel is, whatever it means, it must be good news. And we also said that it's, it's always relevant to all its hearers. Alright? So if Christ came to make poor people rich, it means that rich people don't need Christ. Right? If Christ came to make sick people well, it means healthy people who never fall sick don't need Christ. Because his stripes did not, does not apply. He didn't need to be striped for their healing. Because they don't fall sick. Therefore, they don't need your gospel. But the beauty of the gospel is that it's relevant to all its hearers at every point in time. At every point in time. So pay attention to that. I also said something very crucially. That we don't get saved by the gospel and then leave by another Bible message. Alright, we get saved by the gospel and live, L-I-V-E, by the gospel. So we don't outgrow the gospel. Alright? And then we began to exp- ex- explore what the gospel meant. We talked about the fact that Jesus preached the gospel. Right? And then we said, if according to 1 Corinthians 15, yeah, Paul lays down what the scripture, what the gospel was. Christ died according to the scripture. Christ um, resurrected according to the scripture. And if that was the gospel that Paul was preaching, and Jesus preached the gospel, because we saw examples in the, in the gospels, that, and I explained to you why those four books are called the gospels, and why technically they shouldn't be called the gospel. Yeah, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John um, are not exactly the, the containers of the gospel. They contain the premise, the backdrop for the gospel. Because the gospel, the New Testament, starts when Jesus died. Right? And was affected when he rose and ascended for our justification. So these guys were just historical accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus that brought about the gospel in his fulfilled state. Right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, because them three agree largely with one another. What you find written in Matthew, written in Mark and Luke, and vice versa. John stands out because John writes his gospel perspective totally different to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So what you find in John, you don't find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are unique to John. But why is it called the gospel? It's when he dies that the good news starts. If that is the case, which we saw according to 1 Corinthians 15, then what gospel was Jesus preaching? If he had not died. If the gospel is Jesus dying, being buried, sorry, dying, 
being crucified, being buried, resurrected, and ascending, which is the gospel, if none of these things had happened, how, what was Jesus preaching as the gospel? We explored this a little bit. Jesus preached the gospel, went on to show that Abraham heard the gospel. Galatians 5, Galatians 3, 8. You saw that scripture preached the gospel to Abraham, and Abraham believed. And the reason why righteousness was credited to him, according to Romans 4, was because, as we see in Galatians, Paul, uh, Abraham rather, believed the gospel. And I showed you last week the instances in which the gospel was preached to Abraham, right? We went on to talk about how the, um, the uh, Old Testament um, patriarchs heard the gospel, the law, the prophets. They heard the gospel and they believed. The difference was that they believed in the promissory sense of the gospel. They believed the gospel as what was coming. Right? David heard the gospel. David believed the gospel. He's my favorite gospel believer of the Old Testament. Because he didn't live in the Old Testament. He lived in it briefly. He looked at Saul and what Saul stood for. He said, no, it is better. And then he begins to search the scriptures and he finds that, man, there is something coming. Isaiah did not prophesy Christ as much as David did. David prophesied how Christ will die. How he will be bruised. How the water will flow from his side. How no bone of his will be broken. How they will despise him. How they will reject him. How he was not comely to look upon. All of that was seen by the prophet David. Oh, sorry. King David. But he was king. He was priest. He was prophet. Dangerous guy. And he was not from the tribe of prophets. So you see instantly David as a type of Christ. He wasn't. But he saw it. And he believed it. And he believed it even though he hadn't yet come. And he began to walk in grace during the law. David is praying in the old covenant. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not his benefits. And he says, who forgives your iniquities? He didn't say who covers. David says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. David says, as far as the east is from the west, so have you removed my transgression from me. In the law. Listen to it. When a priest was still going to give a goat to cover sins in that smelly, most holy place. That's why incense was burnt, because it was smelly. Nobody washed the blood off the mercy seat. You could die for that. Blood was just poured on the mercy seat once a year. It wasn't ever washed. Can't read your Bible. You don't see where it was washed. Because if you wash the blood off, all your sins come back in view. So there always had to be blood on the mercy seat. In that era, David is saying, he takes away my iniquities. My own. Israel can be going to Gilgal and going to the high places to sacrifice. My own sin, he has taken away. I saw him. I, I believed him. He hasn't come, but I see him. I believe him. So my sins are forgiven. He forgives my iniquities. Blessed is he who the Lord does not impute transgression against him. So my, my transgressions are not imputed against me. He believed it. And when push came to shove, he wore the effort of the high priest. And entered the holy place and gave an offering. And God didn't kill him. 
Now therefore let us come boldly. Before the throne of grace. A new covenant reality that somebody in the old covenant walked in. Now let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Or find favor and obtain mercy to help in time of need. Find grace and obtain mercy to help in time of need. That's what David did. When he wore what pertains to the high priest. And he came into the holy place after a different priesthood order. So David did not respect the Levitical order of priesthood. As far as David was concerned, he did not exist. What? I should wait for the priest when I can go to God myself? When I have access myself? When I don't stand condemned before him? He went to God. And they served God's food and he ate it. He serves God's bread. God's bread. God's own bread. And David runs in and carries God's bread and he eats it and he serves it to his boys. God is looking at David like Devo, man. <laughs> and the cross had not yet come. Christ hadn't yet died, but grace was in effect. Who heard the gospel? Paul preached the gospel. Abraham heard the gospel. What is the gospel? We talked about the fact that the gospel is the good news of the fullness of God's eternal plan for mankind as what? As purchased, as enacted, and as perfected in the finished work of Christ. Its aim being to reconcile man to God and establish God's kingdom in the earth through the lordship of Jesus Christ and the instrumentality of man. Then we got into the exciting stuff, the three elements of the gospel. Reconciliation to God and his kingdom. We explored that. We also talked about the fact that and we, we gave Second Corinthians 5, 18 to 21, the ministry of reconciliation. I explained what that ministry is, right? So not men reconciling men to God but men publishing the word of reconciliation, which is that God has in Christ reconciled all men to him. Remember that? Now these are the things that you should know. Everybody in this room, everybody, no matter how young, no matter how old, these are the basics of the gospel. I said this last week. If you don't know this, you're not a believer. You don't know the gospel. This is what we need to know. And even these things, the writer of Hebrews calls them elementary principles. Elementary principles. Basics, 101. What we're doing now is 101. So don't take it lightly. Second element, domination of earth. Four is kingdom. Galatians 3, 8 to 12. And then thirdly, colonization of earth as his kingdom. Daniel 7, 9 to 14. Revelation 11, 15. And all these are as accessed through the finished work of Christ. That brings us into the reality of the kingdom. And then we made a punchline statement last week that the end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. Because when Jesus preached the gospel, he preached the gospel as the kingdom. Right? Every time they asked him a question, he responded, the kingdom of God is like. So he typified the kingdom, he preached the kingdom, his gospel was the kingdom. Paul's gospel is Christ. Abraham's gospel was blessing through promise, through seed, by covenant. We said again last week that everything God does, he does with kingdom on his mind. 
right? So today we'll explore the message of the gospel, or at least we'll start exploring the message of the gospel. So I explained what Abraham's gospel was last week, remember? What he heard, the promise, the blessing, the seed, yeah? I explained all of that. I looked, I showed you some of the people in the Old Testament that heard the gospel, right? Noah, Lot, the Israelites, Rahab, the prostitutes, the law and the prophets, you know, the thief on the cross, that was exciting. Yeah, the Ethiopian eunuch, understandest thou what thou readest. And I, I talked about how the disciples preached it in that manner. Um, they, they preached the, disciple, the, the gospel, even though Christ had resurrected, they were still preaching the gospel in a promissory sense. In the sense of what was coming. Preaching baptism by repentance. Right? Until the narrative changes in Acts chapter 8 um, with the Ethiopian eunuch. And then um, Peter goes on to change it later in Acts, I believe. So, um, Paul heard the gospel. This is why I stopped last week. Paul heard the gospel after the price had been paid. Now, if you notice, Paul did not get converted because anybody preached to him. Nobody preached to him. Nobody in Paul's time knew Saul. Nobody knew the scriptures like he did. In fact, Paul's Saul of Tarsus persecuting the church was persecuting them because they were acting in opposition to the scriptures. Think about it. Saul wasn't killing unbelievers. Saul was killing believers because believers were not in conformity with scripture. Believers were speaking in tongues. What's that? From where? Believers were sharing all things in common. How? From where? Believers were at liberty to keep the Sabbath or not keep the Sabbath. How? Believers were eating food given to idols. How? Believers were choosing when to fellowship and when not to fellowship. How? So we see all along, Paul, um, um, as Saul, is persecuting believers because they dared to act differently to Genesis to Malachi. Are you following me? So as far as Genesis to Malachi were concerned, Saul was an authority in that. He was a, he was a lawyer, remember? Genesis to Malachi, Saul was studied and versed in that. That's why he persecuted the church. Because the church was not in conformity with scripture as it was laid out at the time. So, when Saul had his conversion experience in the book of Acts chapter 9, I believe, yeah, it was God himself that preached the gospel to Paul. Do you understand? And then Gamaliel, first of all, Ananias the priest, yeah, opens his blind eyes and then instructs him. But then Gamaliel eventually sort of helps to mature him. But this is after he had gone to Arabia and come back. Seven years. Right? He says, when I heard this gospel, I did not confer with flesh and blood. I didn't even go to the elders in Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem was being headed by James, the brother of Jesus. Now, Paul gets converted. hears a gospel and he tells James, the brother of Jesus, the gospel I've heard has got nothing to do with you. Stay in Jerusalem. Stay, I'm coming. So when Paul starts to teach, he starts to teach by a gospel that was unique to him. A gospel had never been heard before. And he goes as far as in Galatians 1 saying, if anybody comes to you with any other gospel that is different from the one I have given you, even if it is an angel or me, let that person be accursed. 
Can you imagine the audacity? Somebody who came and met other people on the scene. Telling them nobody else can bring any other gospel. He prays in Romans and he says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel. He says in chapter 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. So we ought to understand the gospel. So Paul starts to preach the gospel after the price had been paid. So Paul got saved to a price paid. Peter and everybody else that heard the gospel heard the gospel about the price that was going to be paid. Does that make sense? They believed. Some of them were baptized for repentance, waiting to be baptized for salvation. I explained this already, guys. Yeah? John says in, 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 in John that I am baptizing for repentance. The one that is coming will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That means the New Testament... Ah, should I go here? That, so if you look at it technically in Scripture, New Testament believer does not need water baptism as a compulsory element of being saved. I want to teach some things. Another emoji. Because John says that he, me, right now, I am baptizing for repentance with water. He that is coming will not baptize with water, one, and will not baptize for repentance, two. Who baptized with the Holy Ghost? With fire. What happened in Acts chapter 2? Holy Ghost? Fire. The mention of water baptism ceases the moment Peter realized that the dispensation had changed. The moment Peter realized that, no, 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 we're not baptizing for what, in water for repentance anymore. He stopped being a prerequisite for salvation. And Peter changed it. You know why Peter changed it? He had authority to change it. How do we know that? Jesus told Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. So there was apostolic authority Peter had to change doctrine. Because he had the keys to the kingdom. So in Acts chapter 10, he changes it. He changes it. So they were believing in what was to come, but Paul received what already was. That's the difference. Make sense? And we are like Paul. We have more advantage than all the disciples of Jesus. Because they all died off shortly after Jesus left. They didn't enjoy the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Only John, maybe. Only John. Because he tells them that there are many things I want to teach you. Jesus tells them. But you cannot bear them now because you don't have the Holy Spirit. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, John 16, John 14, those two scriptures. When he comes, he will, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will just speak of himself. He will take from what is mine and he will give to you and he will glorify me. 
So the job of the Holy Spirit was to unpack in the believer everything that was too heavy for Jesus to tell the believer. Do you understand? Now we get born again straight into the Holy Spirit. We never were in the law in the first place. We are Gentiles. A wild olive branch grafted in. Remember Romans 9, 10, 11? We're, we're never under the law. You now bring me into Christ and want to start me from the law. Are you mad? That's why he tells them in Galatians 3, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having started in grace. Galatians 3. I'm not sure I'm going to... Am I teaching? I'm not teaching yet. Oh, <laughs> oh my days. <laughs> Galatians 3, are we there? Verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians, who has... Who, whose translation has cast a hex on you? Cast an evil spell on you? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only, verse 2, I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the what? How did they begin? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? What was his argument here? You didn't start off by the law. So why are you allowing the Judaizers, these people that had a mixture of grace and, and law, were called Judaizers in Bible times? And their own was that it's too easy for you. How can you say I'm saved by grace through faith? It's not of works, lest anything should boast. Surely there must be something you should do. Surely you should pray and maintain it. Fast and support it. Give and protect it. Serve and sustain it. <laughs> it can't be that easy for you to just be saved and say you are saved. No, no, no. You must do something. They were called Judaizers. Agnostics. Yeah? From where you, they wrote some interesting books that we refuse to add in the Bible. Yeah? Called the Gnostic Gospels. Alright? And so he's, he was telling them, you never started in the law. You started in the spirit, in grace. Why are you trying to go back to what you didn't start in? And that's one of the key things. You know, after this series, we're going to start the next series, Understanding the Old and New Covenant. Yeah? You will understand, though, in Jesus' name. Yeah, 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 you will understand. So Paul preached the gospel in his manifested sense. In what sense? In his manifested sense. And that is what he brought us into. That is the gospel. The gospel is how we are saved. The gospel is the good news about the restoration of God's kingdom. Right? I said yesterday that a believer is not just one who believes that Christ is Lord. Or who believes that Christ being Lord and his finished work has effected a change in that believer. Yeah? The gospel is about the restoration of God's kingdom on the earth. Can we say on the earth? Mm -hmm. it's the good news about the restoration of God's kingdom on the earth through man by the finished work of Christ 
You understand the connection? And when we say finished work of Christ, we mean his birth, his life, his death, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and our justification. The finished work doesn't end with him. It finishes with me. <laughs> Do you understand? When we say finished work of Christ, the full stop is me. It's you. All of that, he did it for our justification. And he says he ascended for our glorification. So that's the gospel. That's his finished work. So the reconciliation of or the restoration of God's kingdom on earth through Christ's finished work. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Christ and all he has called us to. Do you understand it? Christ and all he has called us to. Stay focused. Don't fall asleep. Don't get distracted. It's a lot of meat to chew, isn't it? Yeah? It's a lot of meat to chew. But chew it. We are maturing men after the statue of Christ. Praise God. So can we, can we proceed? Yeah? So now I, now I try to attempt to begin to start to enter part two. The message of the gospel. What is the message of the gospel? Now we know what the gospel is, right? Yeah? I'm sure anybody in this room can teach the gospel. At least you can answer what the gospel is. Yeah? All men are sinners. All men are going to hell. Repent and be born again. If you die today, now you go out now, can't jam you. And you die. Oh, cinema, where you gonna run to? Oh, cinema, where you gonna run to? Oh, cinema. Oh, on that day, too, too late, too, too late, too, too late, too late, too late, too, too late, too, too late, too late, too, too late, too. And then your heart is racing like this. And you're asking yourself, wait, so am I born again? Am I even born? But, but how many of you have sat under that kind of ministry before? Before they've said there's somebody here, you're already going to the altar. It's me, it's me, it's me. Don't, don't even worry, it's me. It's me. In fact, I know the sinner's prayer. Don't you need to tell me to repeat it. After. In fact, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. I come to you today. And if, if, if they don't get you on part one, they'll get you on part two. Part two is, maybe you have been born again, but you now need to rededicate your life. You now say, ah, then you not become pride though. It's me, yeah. Let me re rededicate. And that is one of the most antichrist doctrines in, in the church. Rededicate? Where did he go? Where did he go? And, and we, ask, we, we, we coined that nonsense about rededicating life from the nonsense of giving him our life. Giving our life to Christ. He never preaches the way to give your life to Christ. Says, accept the life of Christ. If common blood, but steal, kill, and destroy, I am come that they might have life. How? The wages of sin is death, 
But the free gift of God is eternal. Eternal. You can't lose it for you to need to rededicate it. It's eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's eternal. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Flowing unto eternal life. You can't lose the life of God. It's not your life to get. It's not your life to keep. It's his life. All you do is receive it. And your life is not an ingredient for his life. It's not out of the life you gave to Christ that he now used it as raw material to manufacture new life for you. No, he says, reckon yourself dead. For you are dead and your lives are hid with Christ in God. Give your life to Christ. Rededicate your life. You strayed away. How do we stray away inside Christ? In whom we live, in whom we move, in whom we have our being. We strayed to where? To where? That's the gospel. It's good news. The gospel doesn't bring fear. No, there is no fear in the gospel. The gospel brings is glad tidings. Isaiah said, blessed are the feet of them that bring good news. It's a thing of joy. It's a thing of joy. Oh, you know, come and read Acts chapter 2. When they heard this, they were caught to the heart. Yeah, because they were the ones that killed Jesus. No, no, no. So they had remorse and brokenness for just having crucified their Savior without knowing who he was. So they were caught to the heart and said, hey, men and brethren, what shall we do? Acts chapter 2 is the wrongest place to pick doctrine from. The gospel hadn't begun to take root. It was just the first day. It was just Pentecost. You can't build doctrine from Acts 2. Ah, stay in this house. So what does the gospel message contain? No, no, I know what it is. I'll give you the scope of the gospel message. The scope. The, how much? How much the message of the gospel covers? When we're teaching the gospel, what is it? Finish preaching the gospel and then the believer is crying. That they did, they did that to Jesus. No. As I said, it pleased God to bruise him. You are trying to get somebody to cry during getting saved. When God was happy, when Christ was being bruised. As I says that God saw the travail of his son and was satisfied. Do you understand? God was rejoicing when Jesus was being bruised and battered and flogged and crucified. Why was Jesus rejoicing? Because at the end of that work, there was power on the line coming into glory. Yes. And that's why Jesus himself, Paul says, for the joy that was set before him, what joy? Bringing me into glory. Me. So there was only one person on the mind of Jesus on the cross, Alexander. Because if it was only me on the earth, he would have still come and died. So we don't hear good news when we're crying. 
No, no, no. We hear good news and we rejoice. That's why it's called, or else it's not the gospel, no? It's another kind of beyond. What is the scope of the gospel message? And then we'll go through the, so again, this is part two, right? On our third Tuesday of this series, right? And part two, the scope is part two A. Yeah? The scope of the message, one, the plan of God for man, which is about all we'll talk about today if we have time. The scope of the message of the gospel, the plan of God for man, number one, Number two, the fall of man. Fall. F-A-L-L. How do you pronounce that here? Eh? Fall. 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 The fall of man. (laughs) The plan of God for man, the fall of man. Number two. Number three, the penalty for the fall. Is this sounding exciting already? The scope of the message of the gospel. The plan of God for man. The fall of man, the penalty for the fall, number four, the redemptive plan of God in Christ. And that number four has six sub-subsections to it. The redemptive plan of God in Christ, that's number four. Number four, A, slain from the foundation of the world. Or be for a slain from the foundation of the world. Man, if I was your lecturer in school, I'm gonna be knocking your heads. Slain from the foundation of the world. Be born of a woman in due time. We're dealing with the scope of the message, right? Number one. Plan of God for man, number two, the fall of man, number three, the penalty for the fall, number four, God's redemptive plan in Christ, or the redemptive plan of God in Christ, and four, A, slain from the foundation of the world, B, born of a woman in due time, I'm on the same page, three, lived under and fulfilled the law. C, four, C, lived under and Fulfilled the law. So all we're going to go through in this series. So strap up. D was crucified, died, and was buried. 4A, slain from the foundation of the world. B, born of a woman in due time. C, lived under and fulfilled the law. D was crucified, died, and was Buried. He resurrected and ascended. 4E, right? Resurrected and ascended. And then F paid the penalty in full for all our sins, right? All in capital letters. And reconciled us to the Father. D was crucified, died, and was buried. E, resurrected and ascended. F, paid the penalty in full for all our sins and reconciled us to the Father. You got it? Five, 
the purpose of the redemptive plan. Remember all of that was just number four? God's redemptive plan in Christ, right? Slain from the foundation of the world, A, born of a woman in due time, lived under and fulfilled the law, that's C, right? D, died, was crucified and buried, and then resurrected and ascended, and then paid the penalty in full for all our sins and reconciled us to the Father. That's number four, right? Five, the purpose of the redemptive plan, in brackets, the aim of salvation. The aim of salvation. And four, 5A would be the kingdom culture. Purpose of that redemptive plan or the aim of salvation is A, the kingdom culture, and then B, the coming kingdom. <laughs> the purpose of that redemptive plan, the culture of the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom, or the kingdom culture, or if you like, hashtag. Kingdom called Todd with a D, and two, the coming kingdom. If you want to be very geeky, write eschatological things. Yeah? Eschatological things. E S C H A, theological. Eschatology is a theology branch that deals with the study of the end times, the coming of the kingdom. So if you want to feel like, yeah, man, you know, I know some things, write eschatological things. Amen. Just if you want to show off a little bit. And of course, there's like he that boasts boast in this. Yeah. So the, the purpose of that plan, the aim of salvation, the culture of the kingdom, and the coming of the kingdom. Now, it begins to make sense when you remember that the end result of the gospel is the... Uh -uh. The end result of the gospel is the coming. So the gospel is fully fulfilled when the kingdom comes. That's why the first thing Jesus taught them to request is thy kingdom come. First request. Before your sins forgiven, before your daily bread. First thing, first thing when he told them, when he asked him, teach us to pray. Matthew 6, Luke 9. Luke 11, rather. Our Father, what in heaven, how will it be thy name? Straight. Straight. The kingdom come. That will be done where? Where? When did it become our making heaven? The kingdom come that will be done where? As it is already done in heaven. It is earth we need to colonize and make earth exactly like heaven. That was what God did when he took the seed of heaven, planted it on earth and called it Eden. I've already gone into, into, into number one, the plan of God. Yeah, can we go? The plan of God for mankind. That's number one of the scope, right? The scope of the message. So for you to understand the message of the gospel, you must understand the plan of God for mankind. Make sense? You must understand the fall of man. You must understand the penalty for that fall. You must understand God's redemptive plan in Christ. 
and then the purpose of that plan. The plan of God. Okay, one more thing before we go into the plan of God. I gave you the scope. Let me give you the ingredient of that message. And it's easy. For God so greater love as no one than this. Right? In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about gifts extensively. And at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now let me show you a more excellent way. And then he starts in verse 13. Chapter 13 verse 1. And it begins to talk about love. At the end of chapter 13, he says, the greatest of these three are love, hope, and faith, but the greatest of all these is love. Who is love? So 1 Corinthians 13, who was he about? Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 12. Some of you, after this series, you start to read your Bible with understanding. You have started. Good for you. 1 Corinthians 12. We know that chapter, right? All the gifts mentioned. Healings, gift of miracles, blah, blah, blah. For, for emphasis, from verse 30, 1 Corinthians 12, 30. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts, right? It's talking about desiring and getting gifts. But I will show you a more excellent way. Desire the best gift. Let me show you how to get the best way to get these things. It goes into chapter 13. Don't forget that when the letter was written, there was no chapters. Remember? It just flowed. So I will show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging single. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and then it goes on. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, does not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Blah, 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 blah. First Corinthians 13, 13. Easy for you to remember, right? 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of this, who is love? God has expressed, for God so loved the world that he gave. So the ingredient of the gospel is love. God's love. Remind me someday to teach this. Someday. So the plan of God for man. We all know if you have been around long enough that God made man in his own image after his likeness. Right? And you know I can stop right here and do a whole series on this statement in his image after his likeness. I can spend 20 weeks on dealing with in his image after his likeness. Because Hebrews says that Christ in chapter 1 is the express image of the Father. Who is the express image of the Father? Who is the express image of the Father? Hebrews makes it clear. Right? Colossians says, In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
is the express image of the Father. So when God was making man, what was God looking at to make man? God made man in his image. Who is the image of God? How did God make man? God made man in his image. Christ is the express image of the Father. We were made in God's image. We were made in Christ. God was consulting the prototype of Christ when he formed man. Mm. Oh my Lord. Did anybody understand what I just said? Are you sure? Don't try and act like you, you know. You, you're, 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 you're like, yeah. Yeah. Hebrews 1. Sometimes, I mean, I, I'm learning, I, mean, I don't know if you have noticed, as we have grown, I'm learning to be more elementary. Sometimes I will say something and assume that some people know it. Do you understand? And then I have to remind myself that, okay, let's, let's go and sit together. So forgive me. Let me sit together. Hebrews 1. 1. You know I love Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 in the King James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 starts with God. <laughs> Who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets had in this last day spoken to us by his son. Whom he has appointed what? Heir of all things. Through whom also he made the worlds. Who, verse 3, being the what? Brightness of his glory. And the what? Stop there. Christ is the brightness of God's glory. And Christ is the express image of his person. So you see Christ, you see God. Make sense? That is why Philip will ask him, Master, show us the Father, and he'll be fine with us. He just was like, man, have I been with you so long? And you don't know me? Who was speaking to Philip then? No, who? No, who? No, who? The Father. Show us the Father, and it will be okay for us. Then he replied and said, I have been with you this long, and you don't know me. Who was speaking then? And then Jesus speaks. He who has seen me. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? Because he says to them later on, I and my father are one. I've showed you in this house Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And of the increase of the government shall be no end. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting, Right to God, Everlasting, who was being talked about? What was he being called? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. His name, Jesus, being born. 
shall be called everlasting father. Who is Jesus? Who is the son? You get it. Because you see Christ, you see the Father. You see the Father, you see Christ. No difference. Same difference. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? No difference. Same difference. Together in their separateness. Separate in their togetherness. Father and the Son. One and the same. Yet Father and Son. Same substance, no difference. Not the son inferior to the father, as Jehovah's Witnesses put it. But the son of the same substance as the father. Are you following me? Same person, same substance. The plan of God for man. That's where we are, right? So God decides to make man in his image. And we know that Christ is the image of God. So when God decided to make man, he had one person in mind, Christ. So God's desire for creating man was to have a multiplicity of Christs. One son was not good enough. Do you understand? So of that ingredient... He takes him and makes a prototype so that everybody born is exactly the same substance as Christ. Are you understanding? Because Christ is the image of God and the brightness of his glory. So Adam and Christ are on the same pedestal. First Adam, last Adam. You understand it now? First man, second man. God's plan for creating man was to create him as Christ. So before man fell, man was already destined to be Christ. Make sense? That was man's design. That was man's purpose. Christ. So by the time we eventually see him, because it ought not yet appear what we shall look like. <laughs> but when we see him, we shall be like him. Right now we are like him. We are becoming like him as we behold him. Remember you become what you behold. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we with unveiled faces, beholding as in a glass, the glory of God, are being changed into the same what? Is the image a what or a who? And what's his name? So we beholding Who is the glory of God? Because it's the brightness of his glory. 2 Corinthians 4.6 
So when you see the face of Jesus, you see the glory of God. That's what Lucifer wanted for himself. Do you understand? Because Christ is the radiance of God. Christ is the glory of God. Is the brightness of that glory. Christ is the image of God. So when God created man in his image and after his likeness, God created man as Christ, like Christ, to be Christ, from Christ. Read Hebrews 1.3 again. You can do it. Somebody call it out to me. Man, I need a big podium. So I can put the two elements together. Yes. Who bring the brightness of his glory? No, read, read verse 2. As in these last days, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Through whom he also made. So, through whom was the world made? Colossians chapter 1. Is it okay that I don't rush? Yeah, so we turn to the Bible. You'll be seeing it in your Bible. Colossians chapter 1. Stay here. Stay here. Ah, you're going to get excited about this. Now. Verse 12. Are we there? Colossians 1.12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In whom, talking about Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. It gets juicy. Verse 15. Can we read one to go? Eh? What? Who is the image? No one has seen God, but if you have seen Christ, you have seen God. Because God is invisible, but Christ we see. That's how we can look onto Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. John chapter 1. Can I still teach? John chapter 1. Mark these things in your Bible so that when you go home you can see them for yourself. Just, just three verses. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Stay with me. Don't be distracted. Don't be a baby. The word is beginning. It's time for everything. Verse 3. 
all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. All things were made through who? Christ. So we came by Christ. We came through Christ. We came as Christ so that we might become Christ. He is the express image of God. So when God says, let us create man in our own image, he had Christ in view. So the ultimate design and destination of every man is Christ. The ultimate design and destination for every man is Christ. Christ design, destination, and everything in between. The plan of God for man. That's what we're exploring, right? The ultimate design and destination of God for man is Christ. Christ the design, Christ the destination, and Christ everything in between. Why did God make man Christ? To reflect and represent him in the earth. The message of the gospel. God made man as Christ to reflect and therefore represent him in the earth. So Genesis 1, 26, 27, God blessed them and says, We people multiply, have dominion, replenish the earth, have dominion over it. All of that was a result of man being in God's image. Right? Man being Christ. And the purpose of that was to reflect and represent him in the earth. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Genesis 2, 7. Let me just add here. Uh, you see, talking about earth being the, the purpose for the gospel. God creates heaven and earth. And then he puts a portion of heaven in earth. And then puts man in that portion. God creates heaven and earth. Then creates Eden. Which is a deposit of heaven. And puts man that he formed in that portion. So by God's design, earth was eventually, by expansion, to become Eden. As man gave birth and multiplied in Eden, everywhere man is in Eden would have continued to expand. You understand? Eden was for man and wife. As they multiplied, and had dominion, Eden will expand until the whole earth became Eden. Colonization. Man will not have grown so much that Eden could no longer contain them. Eden would have continued expanding with man because Eden was a system. It wasn't just geography. That's why today you can't find it. We know the four rivers that ran on each side of it, but we can't find Eden. Why? In the system. And so as man expanded, the system was supposed to keep expanding to accommodate man. So God put a deposit of heaven on earth, put man in the garden, and as man expanded, the system will expand with man. And so before you knew it, he was already reconciled with God because man was created perfect. Yeah? Created perfect, sinless. 
he was already having dominion. God gave him dominion because he was, he was Christ. Second element of the gospel. And over time, as man expanded, he would have colonized earth. And we're not trying to figure out the system. God created the system first and then put you in it. God didn't create man and put him somewhere while he was building him Eden. You guys are tired now. God created Eden first and created Eden as a working environment. He was already working. It was man that's first. And put man in there. That was just for free. So you understand. I said to you last week, and I repeat again today, that God was the first and is the only legal colonial master. So the only legally acceptable colonization is that of God, heaven on earth, earth as heaven, starting with the garden of Eden, which man lost. Isaiah 45, 18. Isaiah 45, 18. Somebody else, Ephesians 3, 9 to 11. Somebody else, Romans 4, 13. Isaiah 45, 18. Ephesians 3, 9 to 11. Romans 4, 13. You can James preferably. I'll grab my own Bible in case I got it first. Isaiah 45, 18. Now I want to read it sequentially. The Lord says the Lord. Who created the heavens? Who is God? Who formed the earth? Who has established it? Who did not create it in vain? Who formed it to be what? Inhabited. I am the Lord. I am, and there's no other. That's fine. That's, that's 19 now. So let's, let's go to who has Ephesians 3. Yes, quickly. Yes, 911. To the intent that now the principalities and powers unto in heavenly places might be made known by the church and the manifold wisdom of God. Remember that scripture? Yeah? According to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ. Yes. Did you, you, you understand it? To the intent. So God had a plan in mind when he created the world. That the church or the inhabitants of the world might make known to principalities and powers who is in charge. Who has Romans? Romans 4.13. It is clear then <laughs> that God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants. Are you hearing the language? Mm-hmm. Was not based on obedience to God's word. But on the new relationship with God that comes by faith. Who has New King James? Romans 4 13, New King James. There's somebody else, not someone. For the promise that he will be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So, again, what is the intent there? That the whole earth might be to Abraham. And his seed. Who is his seed? Come on, talk confidently. Who is Abraham's seed? And according to the promise. Heirs of Abraham according to the same promise. 
So again, you see colonization on God's mind. The earth, the world, becoming Christ's, becoming God's. That was God's original intention. And naturally, by virtue of us being Christ, we had fellowship with the Father. As you see in Genesis 3, when God comes down to commune with man in the cool of the day. Right? So fellowship with God was a natural um, um, result of us being created as Christ. Because God could relate on a level with God. God wasn't coming to relate with man as man, as coming to, to relate with a created being. He was coming to relate with man as himself. Because he saw man, he saw his image. He didn't create man in a lesser image. He created man in his image and after his likeness. So God, man is the mirror of God. You know when you look in the mirror, you see a splitting image of yourself. Whether you like it or not, your lip is that crooked. Whether you like it or not, there's that pimple above your eye. Whether you like it or not, one eyebrow is higher than the other. Whether you like, the mirror tells you it exactly as it is. That was God's intention when he created you. That God is looking at you and you are a spitting image of him. Until you get back there, you have not found life. The gospel is to remind you that you have created Christ. So get back there. You lost it, it has been restored. You're back to Christ. Get yourself back there and stop messing around. That's the gospel. It's good news. That's why no one wants to come and Paul will come and tell them, is, is that not what David meant when he read he wrote in Psalm 89 that you are gods? That's why. I will take my time and teach it. I won't rush it. I refuse. So God was coming to fellowship with man as with God. Do you understand? Let me end with this. When God created man, don't forget there was no such thing as believer and unbeliever. There was just Christ in the earth. beginning, Genesis 2, God created man. I've taught this a long time ago in the old house. Man, ha, Adam, in the Hebrew, species, not gender, not sex. In the beginning, God created man. King James says, male and female created he them. Man, species, was a them. Man. Male, man. Female, man. Ish, male in the Hebrew. Isha, female in the Hebrew. That's male and female. Ha, Adam. Adam in the Hebrew. Species, gender, gender. Do you understand? Adam, 
A-D-A-M, came to be known eventually as the name of Ish, the first male man. Make sense? And then Eve got to be named, who was the Isha? Make sense? So, in the beginning, God created man, Genesis 2. You don't see it in Genesis 1. Genesis 2. Male and female created he them. Man was created a species that were male and female. That man was a prototype. I've taught this if you have been here in this house a long time ago. Last year I've taught this. That man was a prototype, which means if we take this man and produce other men from this man, every other man that will come from this man will be exact same as this man. That's the prototype. Yeah? Uh, if, you, if you're a tech geek like me, I follow devices, mobile devices, iPhones, Samsung, so like the hottest mobile devices in the world. Um, there will be multiple leaks. In fact, there was one that happened two years ago with the iPhone 6, I believe, or 6 Plus. One of the Apple employees had a prototype, and he went to a bar to drink, and he took one drink too many, and he left the prototype on the bar table and went to it. And the phone leaked. So they had to go back and change the configuration of the phone so that when it comes out, it will not conform to the leak. Do you understand? Now, a prototype is created such that when it is perfected and it is agreed upon, when you put the mold, so the phone is, an iPad is created like this, it is put in a mold, and then the mold sets. The materials are agreed. Every, if there is a slight crack in the prototype, every single device you create from that mold will have the same crack in the same place. So, if this white was supposed to be snow white, <laughs> you now added a little too much pigment, it now became coconut water white. Every single coloring of this device that comes out will be coconut water white. Until that particular prototype is exhausted or eliminated. That's why you cannot use the same plant that produces iPhone 5 to produce iPhone 7. Does that make sense? You have to recalibrate the machines. Do you understand? So one device is made and that device is made perfect. That's why when Samsung Galaxy S6 had battery issues, all over the world they had battery issues. They were exploding. So Samsung had to recall them. Does that make sense? Because once the prototype is bad, everything that stems from the prototype is corrupted. Once the prototype is good, everything that stems from the prototype is good. Do you understand? So man, Adam, was a prototype. To the intent that every person, every seed that comes from Adam, whether that seed be Ish, or whether that seed be Isha, is in the image of Christos. That was God's plan. Do you understand it? So all Adam needed to do was to know his wife, Yada in Hebrew, which means to come into Poetos, and every seed that will be born was supposed to be born Christ by default, not of works. 
Are you understanding this thing? Just as we were born, the plan of God was not for us to be born sinners. No, no, no. The plan of God was for us to be born Christ, righteous, holy, perfect, sinless. By default, that was the plan. Because the prototype was perfect. Do you understand? So by, by grand design, there was not supposed to be anything like Cain. The plan of God for man was Christ. So by design, there was no such thing as Christian. By design, there was no such thing as free field. By design, there was no such thing as born again. By design, there was no such thing as make heaven. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? We make heaven, make heaven, make heaven. It's just to return you to Eden on earth, on earth, on earth, on earth. Eden is where on earth. Return the system that man lost. There was just the man in Christ. There was just who? Ha! Adam, the species, the prototype, perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That is the plan of God. So the the more you yield yourself to Christ, the more you yield yourself to the gospel, the more you are becoming what you originally are. Do you understand? And who are you originally? The man. Christ. Can we give God praise? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.